Hey. Just checking in, seeing how you're doing. Oh, I'm great. Just, uh, doing great. I wanted to run something by you. Uh, it's a bit personal, feeling a bit weird about it, but here goes. Ooh, I'm a little scared right now. This is the Extra Hot Great Podcast, episode 73 for the week of June 8th, 2015. I am cute meat, David T. Cole, and I'm here with Cerebral Smoothie, Sarah D. Bunting. Ooh, brain freeze. Hot Sauce Wholesaler, Tara Ariano. 98.6 Alarm Fire. And Jam Pack Morgue Refrigerator, Eve Beatty. That's fine. Just put the cherries right by the strychnine. And all her dogs. Woof, 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 woof. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> Everyone wants to get in on the action. Uh, all this means is that you have to order them valued guest t-shirts. Uh, jo- oh, that's fine. <laughs> Joining us this week, uh, we have Eve Beatty's uh, dog, Sherman, I heard. Woody, right? And uh, so yep. the clickety clack of those nails is what you might hear in the background. You're just gonna have to deal with it. I thought it was one dog named Woody Sherman. So uh, I've learned something here today. Um, all right, a little side business at the top of the show. I am sorry to tell you, but this is the last week for the phrase that doesn't pay. Yeah, we're gonna drop it. Uh, it's been fun, but uh, it's about time to uh, let it go. So you've got one week to guess the phrase that doesn't pay that has been in effect for about three weeks. I think it's I think a tough this is one. The third week. Yeah, this is the tough one. But uh, so uh, guess it, and you'll get a mini, and uh, and then you'll have the honor of being the very last person in the history of the universe <laughs> to guess the phrase that doesn't pay, and that's site like business. Thanks, Dave. Uh, welcome back, Eve. Thanks for coming back on the show with all your hounds. Hi. Well, thank you so much for having me back, and thank you for your patience with my guest dogs, <laughs> my valued guest dogs. <laughs> Uh, since there's a not that valued guest cat howling one floor above us right now, uh, totally, totally feeling you. Um, Eve is here to talk about iZombie with us today. She's been uh, very ably covering the inaugural season for us on Previously.TV. Um, so I don't, I sort of don't know where to start. I haven't been watching the show regularly, but I got caught up a little over the weekend. I'm really enjoying it. Uh, Eve, have you been... Have you been liking it? Are you worried about how it's going to end the season or go to a second season? General thoughts? Well, well, you know, it's something that occurred to me, and I think you guys were talking about this a couple of weeks ago, is I do think that, you know, you approach a show differently when you're covering it than when you're just watching it. I think that if I were just passively watching it, like, you know, a civilian, um, I would be totally bonkers over the moon raving about it the way I was raving about Buffy since I cover it I feel like I'm a little bit more critical but overall I think I still really like it my big sort of hang-up is a lot of times this isn't the show's fault it's my fault I end up comparing it a little bit to Veronica Mars mm. does anyone else do that like they're looking for Mars-like things it's kind of mm. hard not to right yeah I mean, like, even, like, the background music is so Marsy sounding that's in, you know, the VO, the blonde girl, everything. If I just sort of close my eyes, like, I keep waiting for backup to bark, but it's just Sherman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, um, I've been enjoying it. I mean, the, the device of, if you haven't been watching, it's about a girl who is a zombie. She's sort of had to remake her life uh, since, since her zombification. Um, but the twist is that the brains that she eats in order to maintain her basic humanity 
give her sort of visions of the people that they formerly belonged to. And so that helps her solve crimes. But so that means that every episode she kind of takes on a different personality. And sometimes that's really cool and fun. And sometimes that's a little annoying. Um, and that's that was the case for me with this last episode. But I thought it paid off well. Um, the, the cheerleader stuff sort of went by the wayside because there was that huge twist ending, which is taking us into the season finale, which as we record this airs tomorrow night. Um, where now more people are, one key person is in the cone of silence knowing about uh, Liv's zombiness, and that is her roommate Peyton. So what did you think of that, Eve, having having that come out? Well, you know, like it's it's another one of those things where you're sort of, I feel like I'm sort of looking at the economics behind the show, that right. we don't see Peyton every episode, which is probably because, you know, they only have the budget for a certain number of regulars. And I get that, I get that. means that I'm less invested in Peyton as a person than if it were someone else. I kind of wish that the big sort of reveal had happened with Major, with someone that I was, you know, used to seeing every week as opposed to Peyton, who just was sort of has sort of been in and out, and I don't really have a strong feeling for. But still, I was so relieved for Liv when she came out, and I thought, well, you know, just like with any big secret, once you tell one person, it's easier to tell everyone else. Mm -hmm. And so I have high hopes that by, you know, the end of uh, uh, tomorrow night's episode, everyone will know. Is that what you think is going to happen? Oh, I have no idea. Come straight out? Well, I mean, I don't know. Like, I mean, what, in real life, I mean, everybody would be dead, but then we wouldn't have a show, as my mom always said. (laughs) Right. So, you know, so I don't know. I would like, I mean, there's just no way that, I mean, Major obviously knows that they're zombies now, right? I mean, he gets that. And look at Liv. I mean, is, is he an idiot? Look at her. If there's a zombie, it's, I mean, look, dude, why, why else would she look like that, you know? Yeah. Was that last with a previous episode, not not this latest one, but the one before when she ate the mentally ill kid's brain and then yeah. we had all those. Yeah, that was my favorite episode of the season. And I think it was partly because of the, as you wrote in your post about it, all the Mr. X that made you think things were happening that were not happening. So she kind of had a dress rehearsal for telling Peyton about her big secret because she had already sort of hallucinated telling Major and having it come out were okay. You- were you surprised when it turned out that she had imagined the major stuff? I was totally floored. I did not see that coming. Um, well, I actually watched the episode after I read your post or edited your post. Oh, oh. <laughs> so, Dang, you know, I was going to tell Sarah to edit it just in case. <laughs> it was moot for me. But Dave, you didn't read the post before you watched the episode. So what was your reaction? Yeah, it was, it was a little surprising. I, I have... Here's here's my quick fix it guide for my problems with iZombie. One is we need to replace the detective because he is a snooze. Yeah, he's he's not uh, up he is, to the standards of everyone else. Not I a feel dy- like a dynamo. Yeah, um, Babino. Yeah, um, I find it hard. Speaking of um, comparisons, I find it hard not to compare this with Orphan Black. You know, with the whole I play oh, yeah. seventeen mm-hmm. characters, mm-hmm. and I agree. And she does such a great job in Orphan Black that when I, you know, she it's not she doesn't do a bad job on iZombie, but when I compare it to Orphan Black, I'm like, okay, that's how you really transform yourself. Yeah. Not that it's exactly the same thing. She is playing, you know, a mix of two characters at once versus Orphan Black playing, you know, different clones with different personalities. But it's so transformative in Orphan Black, and I, do, I find it's just sort of like wa- um, watercolors here on, yeah. uh, you know, on iZombie that uh, I kind of wish she would throw herself more into each of these uh, brain characters. 
Um, yeah, why doesn't she change clothes to reflect those characters? That I, that is something that irritates me. But I've never found a good spot for it in my any post to bitch about it. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> it just true. seems like you know that's such an essential thing that you dress like the stoner or the cheerleader or the mom or whatever else, and instead she's just wearing her same old schlumpy stuff. Yep. Yeah, I think I saw the whole major becoming you know the zombie hunter storyline coming, and I'm glad it happened. I hope they make him go on full on you know, kind of Merc and that he becomes sort of, you know, the friendly enemy for real. Uh, I do, I do agree that it, it is sort of crazy that he has not put the pieces together with his totally, uh, you know, alabaster, you know, <laughs> ex fiance, yeah. uh, hanging around with all this knowledge. And, uh, although I did really enjoy him watching the training video and how to kill zombies, <laughs> <laughs> including, you know, yeah. Put him down with a Glock nine in the head and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Um, Is and, that what you would do, Dave? Uh, well, actually, you know the f- <laughs> no because Continue. fighting. Well, all right. So zombie survivalism is you know it's not a an, uh, a small thing. It's the things a lot of people think about. Even the CDC has like zombie scenarios as training for like real scenarios. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a real thing. Yep. But I think the first step of surviving um a zombie uprising isn't uh offense it's defense so you got to find yourself a defensible position right so yeah yeah, so like you need something high up you need a castle kind of moat system you need to get on an island where it's easier to see what's coming at you and Mm -hmm. defend and all which they have they're in seattle but that's the material with these zombies who are sentient though you know like a lot of the the max brooks rules uh, don't apply in right. everyone as long as they're reading brains is just as smart as us in a certain sense i feel like these zombies are scarier than the walking dead zombies because they're freaking capitalists okay so <laughs> with that in mind then the solution then is to come up with a uh chicken industry style brain farming uh solution Absolutely. so to keep the zombies uh you know personable so really, instead of finding a defensible island, what we need to do is turn that island into a brain factory. Figure, you know, those people that are working on synthetic meat, you know, get those people working yeah. on brains and see if that... Or like, uh, like the master in Buffy season one, I guess, or mm-hmm. his, whenever it was that he had his like assembly line of blood draining, mechanized blood draining. Or Daybreakers. Does anyone else see that movie with Ethan well, Hawke? Yeah, see, that's what... That's, I mean, that's the problem when we're talking about brains as opposed to blood. I was thinking about Daybreakers, and I think also maybe Blade 3. Yeah. I think it was Blade 3. You know, where blood is a renewable resource in a way that brains really kind of aren't, unless right. you're breeding humans, mm-hmm. which is a pain. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's just, true. It's, it's not a massive waste of resources. <laughs> it's pretty slow, not- slow going. <laughs> well, I mean, none of us have personal experience with this, but I've met people. <laughs> yeah, they're not, sustain- it's not sustainable. It's not like tilapia. You know, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one one more suggestion then on my list of suggestions is uh, something I miss from Buffy is that Buffy could go dark and not lose itself in it, and I feel like iZombie could stand to get a little darker, but I am worried that if they tried that, they would be able to claw their way out of it, like Buffy could. You know, Buffy could go dark but also be funny in the same episode, and it worked. Um, I kind of hope that they could do that a little bit more with iZombie because I find like the stakes of iZombie a little like I don't really give a shit you know Mm. uh, it doesn't seem like this is I mean are they heading towards an epidemic you know it seems like they might be 
they won't, but it seems like they might be, but it would be interesting to see something sort of terrible happen in this universe to sort of be a catalyst for just being a faster paced entity. But you're um, saying like go 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 full dollhouse and I don't know what you that know. means. Oh well, you remember? Well, I don't. Remember, I never watched it. As long as we're talking about junkie shows, um, you know, in Dollhouse, all of a sudden, like they, it takes this crazy left turn where it's the post-apocalypse. And oh, I see. Like this sort no, of lunatic, yeah, thing. they don't need to go that far. I, I just feel like sometimes with I'm fine with running Seattle. Yeah, me too. Actually. Yeah, <laughs> who wouldn't be? Uh, except for the wall of gum. Let's 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 keep that safe, guys. Um, no, I don't. I don't need it to go like crazy. You know, epic. You know, we already have The Walking Dead. I feel like that. That's fine for your for your post apocalypse. Well, well, there's also. I mean, we've talked about comparing it to both Buffy and Veronica Mars, and I think it's not um, in. Um, uh, I don't know what the word is. Inconsequential. I'll go with, even though that's not the word I want. That both of these shows started off in high school, um, which has this melodrama in it, and also right. uh, so many different stories. Like the story pool that you can pull from. I think I Zombie's premise means it's not possible. Yeah, that's for true. her to like sustain her, you know, brain eating while being in high school. You can't like really intern. At the morgue, so they had to make a choice there. Yeah. But I think that part of that vibe is, I mean, it's just missing that, you know, you have these built-in um, conflicts, you have a bunch of people who don't get along thrown together because it's high school that in this show you don't necessarily have. And then, you know, both of those shows, once they left high school, struggled because that's the law, I guess. But right. And maybe it's because, like, her actions in the show seem very siloed. Like, unlike Veronica Mars, where she's going around snooping and everything like that, I just find, like, you know, there's the morgue scenes, there's the home scenes, and then there's a lot of scenes with her. There's the investigation scenes. With the cops, yeah. right? Yeah. And yeah. those are sort of, and then, you know, that's 80% of the show. And I feel like if they could break out of that a bit, maybe that's what I'm missing, you know, sort of a sense of a, a, a larger world that she has to live in rather than right. sort of being ensconced in these, you know, silos. Well, I think that's what they're trying to do with this setup and that was yeah. at the end of this episode where now her brother is going to be implicated. Not that it hasn't served the show well as far as like establishing the premise, establishing mm-hmm. the parameters of of her new reality, you know, like how she deals with eating brains and what it means, you know, not only does she get visions, but she's, you know, inhabiting, you know, the souls sort of these people for a bit. Yeah. It is weird that once they established that she lives in the same town with her family or at least her mother, like that her mom was in the first few couple of episodes and then she hasn't really been around. Like, I feel like the, the mom that we've been introduced to would be much more, uh, nosy and pushy about making sure that Liv is okay. Coming over with the, yeah, what, yeah, with the casserole like, and yeah, totally. snooping around. Yeah. Maybe not a casserole because she seems like kind of a snooty snoot, but you know, something. Coming over and well, inviting her for brunch or making her go to Sephora or something. It seems like there was a problem with the mom character overall, though, because if you go back and look at the pilot, um, the mom's played by somebody different than is playing her now. So I'm wondering if there weren't just overall issues figuring out how to work the mom into the world. Hmm. Perhaps. 
A mom's not testing well with the kids. Get rid of them. <laughs> yeah, right. Something like that. Seriously. Yeah, because yeah. it was like that was I have to say that I, you know, I had problems with that character because to your earlier point about high school, I thought, well, this woman's made it through med school. You know, she's she's a full on grown up and the mom's talking to her like that. I mean, I know that this happens to people. I mean, I mm-hmm. hear about it from my friends, but still, it's just like, you know, come on. She's made it through med school. She doesn't need all this criticism. Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the finale. I mean, I feel like the, the my issue with shows like this kind of like it, it, in a way it's similar to a superhero story arc in that it's you have your protagonist who has a big secret that they have to protect. And then it's sort of like the secret dribbles out <laughs> bit by bit. And then it, that that kind of is what gives the, the personal side of the story a lot of its fuel, I guess. And so they can either decide to like just blow that all up and just and say, let's just have everybody know about her and then see where it goes. And then I, like if Dave is right and it turns into it's a zombie hunting show with major sort of having a, a more important role, that's a different kind of thing. But maybe that's also interesting and less of a cop show. Yeah, but Tara, but to your point on like the superhero show, that's also, I think, sort of the challenge too is because it's hard to make that villain sustainable. Like, don't right. you always think like, why doesn't Superman just punch through Lex Luthor's head and get it <laughs> over with? Yeah. And the same the same problem, I think, exists in iZombie. I mean, I love... Well, you've David written Anders. about this too. Yeah, you've yeah, written yeah. I mean, that. I think David Anders is great. When he walks in, I, I don't, I'm worried that they're going to overuse him and we're going to have like Spike Syndrome because I'm, yes. I'm not a fan of... You know, I don't want... Mm-hmm. And I don't want too much Anders. They've been using exactly the right amount and yeah. I, I don't want a smidgen more or it'll be oversalted but when he walks in it's so great he's so electric with every scene and I mean I've been a fan of you know Anders since Alias like mm-hmm. you know everybody else but um this is the best work I've seen him do since then and I don't want him to die because I'm enjoying him but it's just stupid you know Here, she's had so many opportunities to kill him yeah here's here's my prediction for how the show is going to go so there's going to be there's this uh taste that they given like maybe there's there's a, a bigger outbreak to come right mm-hmm. that happens but not to a, like it happens sort of it's, it's a bit of a, a local outbreak right but it's not like this whole you know apocalypse scenario then what happens is you start having zombie factions right but basically as you have like crime family factions uh-huh. or like the warriors more yeah, like, like no no more like a mafia situation and then what happens okay. is you have uh, families, zombie families, right. vying for territory. There is a stronger, more brutal zombie faction that is uh, battling the cute meat faction. Mm-hmm. Uh, meat, meat, meat cute. Yeah, meat cute. Sorry. Uh, then uh, David Ander- Anders Blaine. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. His character sort of becomes a semi ally. Yeah, against the bigger zombie faction threat in right. season two. So he becomes sort of half hero, half villain in season two. They get to use him more, but he'll be a little more approachable mm-hmm. so that it won't wear, you know, like his, you know, constant evilism won't wear on you because he'll be a little, he'll be self-serving, but he'll basically have that spike mm-hmm. storyline, right? Where he's like the villain. Right. But then they, but yeah. then they or, have sorry, to kill him evil, off. I mean. Yeah, that's my, that's my, that's my prediction. <laughs> but yeah. So the, the boy didn't rail in him. I, would, I could go for yeah. that, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I would like that too. All right. Any other thoughts before we move on? It's a good show, though. I feel like we've been bagging on it. And the thing is, it's a good show, and I enjoy it. And if yeah, you haven't yeah. been watching it, you should. I mean, we've, we've been a little negative. It's well, true. It's, it's cute and fun. Like, there's, the, there's, there's not much to it, but that's not a bad thing. Well, there's, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where you like it 
and you know you just want it to be a little bit better because yeah. you enjoy watching it and it's, here's here's it's basically like a wish list like if they, if they just season two was a copy of season one yeah i still watch it i mean if we were doing this about the first season of veronica mars if we were watching yeah. it fresh oh, we would have criticisms too sure. but you know if you liked veronica mars you will probably like iZombie. but then again if you like veronica mars you're probably already watching it good point yeah <laughs> Nobody needed two smart, weird, unhappy eight-year-old girls who read way above grade level. One of us was redundant. I had to be better than her, or I would die. That could be an embedded journalist's report from my own third-grade homeroom, but in fact, it's a snippet from Chapter 2 of Janice Earlbaum's new novel, I Liar. I Liar is the story of Elizabeth Madigan, as told to us by Elizabeth. But Elizabeth has also variously pretended to have cancer to be other people and other ages online, to have suffered childhood trauma that led her to self-harm, etc. and so on. She's so desperate for the attention of her girlfriends that she's losing track of the truth. I Liar examines female friendships, the sometimes furious, sometimes competition that really means you want to disappear into her life forever. It's also a look at women's relationships with themselves. Is the unreliable part of unreliable narrator the most human, lovable quality of us all? There's only one way to find out in this case, and that's to snag yourself a copy of Janice Earlbaum's I Liar, available in paperback and for your Kindle. You can find out more about the author at girlbomb.com. That's girl as in a young lady, bomb as in an explosive, all one word, dot com. Nice ad, Sarah. <laughs> Thanks, bro. <laughs> um, I was so excited when this came across uh, Dave's desk because I remember her from old timey bus days when she was she wrote as Girl Bomb was her byline or part of her byline, I think. So I'm excited to read this book. It sounds very catfishy. Yeah, it's it's really good. There are some snippets that are like um, seriously wishy embedded in my life <laughs> as a child and teen which is like it's a little painful she has this one um comparison of something to sour patch kids that it's like it's so sweet but so painful and uh-huh. it's that so awesome. yeah read it cool I am just back from the ATX Festival, uh, season four, as they call it, in Austin, Texas. And once again, this is my second year in a row going, and it was super duper fun. Um, it's still a little bit under the radar, I think, this this festival, but you might have read about it um, this weekend because they had a Gilmore Girls reunion that was kind of a big deal. <laughs> it was like an insane number of ca- former cast members all gathered together on the stage. Uh, pretty much everyone you would want to see there, the exception of Melissa McCarthy, who uh, there was a lot of tweeting during the actual reunion about like no one is mentioning her or even saying her character's name, which was kind of weird, um, including the person who was on stage who played her husband, Jackson Douglas. But anyway, um, wow. Yeah, it's uh, there was also a lot of tweeting about people like fainting in line outside to get into this particular yes. panel. And I have been reading some things about how like this might be the year where it like now it's in the conversation, this festival, and they're going to have to like go to the next level planning wise. But anyway, yeah, I mean, someone else, to, I think it was Todd, who I was Todd Vanderwerf, who I was on a on a panel with on the Friday about with uh, him and Daniel Feinberg that was moderated by Tim Goodman about TV criticism. But Todd pointed out like they could have booked the biggest venue in town and there was still be, have been people that probably couldn't get in like they could have added at the football stadium at UT <laughs> and it would have filled like it was nuts. But I like I was at the the previous event that day in that venue, which was uh, a reunion of the Dawson's Creek writers room, which was also super fun. <laughs> Kevin Williamson <laughs> and Julie Plack, 
uh, Jenny Bix, uh, Paul Stupin, Rob Thomas of the aforementioned iZombie, and uh, Gina Fattori and Anne Fricky were there. Um, but when we came out at like 4.30, people were already lining up and the Gilmore Girls thing was at 7. So I was fortunate to be a panelist that I got to RSVP and have a reserved seat. But like, yeah, I can understand why people would have been pissed if they'd been lining up for like four hours to get into this thing and they couldn't. But um, it was worth the wait because it was pretty special. And I'm sorry that I didn't stay for the next day because Sarah, as you might have already also read, um, on Sunday when I was um, making my way back, they had a staged reading of the Dawson's Creek pilot script, which starred, no, 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 listen, which was read by Mae Whitman as Dawson, Patrick (laughs) J. Adams from Suits as Joey, (laughs) Kerr Smith read uh, Jen, um, I forget who played Pacey was another woman, I think. And then um, Matt Saracen's grandma from Friday Night Lights was Grams. It was really just an amazing all-star cast of this thing. And it sounds like it was a super hilarious, great time. Um, but if you are a TV nerd, I really recommend going to this con. Everything is really gathered close together. And there's lots of awesome hotels in Austin and obviously super amazing food. Um, and it's a really great mix of um, panels with like stars of the shows. But they also almost always have a writer from the show or the executive producer which is more interesting to me personally because the actors are fine and all but like they're let's be honest they're all dum-dums and it's more interesting (laughs) to hear about the show from the people who are writing it than from the people that just you know have to go up and say the lines and stuff so and these will all be on youtube yes they um this year they videotaped all of the panels so um i'm sure i'll I'll do an internet work now on the site whatever they recorded (laughs) on video all of the panels so they uh, moving daguerreotype all of the panels (laughs) (laughs) we're old shut the fuck up dave um so yeah i'll put it up when those go up i'll put a link up they had a uh really a crazy number of shows were rep- uh, represented. I got to see the season three premiere of Rectify screened on a big screen at the Alamo Draft House, which was super cool. Um, and um, uh, our friend Stephen Falk, who created You're the Worst, was there with the season finale of that and talking about that show. And so uh, uh, House of Cards, Extant, Zoo, Under the Dome, uh, Orphan Black, obviously Dawson's Creek. Uh, Can I just say Journey how Man. excited I am for Zoo and help put a shit show it looks I'm like? I'm super excited for Zoo. It's the new and Under you, the Dome. Listen, if you do watch that panel when it goes up, you can hear me asking the first question about it, which is, how are you going to overcome people's natural antipathy against humans in favor of animals? Because that's what that whole show is about. <laughs> yeah. Like, what, who wouldn't want to watch a show where a bunch of crazy animals are murdering humans? Obviously, that's what should happen. <laughs> Anyway, um, we are all Zoomer for having watched it. <laughs> uh, so this year, I was the only uh, person from the previously .TV uh, editorial staff that got to. I mean, our friend Omar was there as a also as a reporter. But um, next year, I hope we all can go because it's a really good time. So if you are interested and have time in the beginning of June next year, you should check it out. Yeah, we'll do. Maybe we can do a, a live podcast. Yeah, I and, think that would uh, be really fun. Everybody would go to Torchy's Tacos first, bring them in, <laughs> have a nosh while they listen to Extra Oh my God. Yeah. Sounds perfect. I- Eve. Well, I would like to talk today about hoarders. My mom is coming to visit in a few weeks, and I live in squalor. And um, so I don't know about anyone else, but <laughs> thank you. Yes. <laughs> you guys saw oh. that picture in my living room. Um, but... Uh, 
So I know from um, reading previously TV that I am not the only person who watches Hoarders in an effort to make myself uh, swift. Um, and so I taped a, a like just a Hoarders marathon um, a couple of weeks ago, and every single episode of Hoarders was advertising something called Hoarders Live. Okay, so I did some research, and um, I figured out stuff that I guess nobody else thinks about besides people who cover TV. Um, you know, Hoarders had been on uh, since uh, August 2009, and it was canceled in February 2013. This is not to be confused with Hoarding Buried Alive, which is on TLC. Mm-hmm. Hoarders is the A&E show. Um, but after it was canceled, uh, Lifetime picked it up and um, started running episodes with a little bit of extra information and calling it Where Are They Now? Um, If you're listening to this, you know how Hoarders works. Uh, (laughs) A camera crew shows up at the home of a person whose mental illness has taken the form of compulsive hoarding. We're not talking about, like, you know, just like the piles of domino magazines that you can't bear to part with or something. This is, like, trash, like literal trash piled up. You know, you guys have seen the show. I don't have to People poop in bags and hide the bags. Oh, yeah, that Sometimes was when I watched yesterday. The bags. Or don't hide the yeah. bags. Yeah. They don't hide the bags. Or it's just in a pile and you step on it or your dog steps on it mm. or whatever. But so Lifetime yeah! actually... <laughs> That's the sound of me stepping in something Sherman left me right there. Um, but so Lifetime greenlit a new season uh, that just went into production. Well, went into production a couple of months ago and uh, premiered uh, two weeks ago. But what, how they were promoting it is, it's going to be Hoarders Live. It's going to be so amazing. It's going to be live. You're going to come in and you're going to see it all happen. And I was like so freaking psyched. I was like tweeting about it. I canceled plans. Um, I was like, this is going to be so cool. And oh, it was Eve. really... I, well, it wasn't like that. It's her, the whole thing... It, 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 the plans weren't that good. Um, anyway, <laughs> the point is that, so, you know, I watched it. And I don't know if you guys watched it, too. Probably not, because you're cooler than me. Uh, but... No, I oh. did. I, I, oh, did you? I'm okay, not cooler you know, than you. But it was a serious letdown, because, and mm-hmm. I don't know why this didn't occur to me, the most enjoyable part of the show is watching the cleanup. And if you're really live, you're not going to watch the whole thing where they're in there with the shovels and the respirators, uh, you know, going through all this stuff. It was just, you know, this guy, not even my favorite hoarder shrink, because, of course, I'm a Dr. Robin Zazio guy. And Corey Chalmers was nowhere to be seen. Um, (laughs) Unacceptable. I know. He's the best, right? The cleanup guy. So they weren't there. So instead, it was just this poor and once again, I want to make it clear that these are people who are suffering from a mental illness. And I have a lot of compassion for them all. But it, it's still gross. Um, but so we just see this poor mental ill guy walking through his house and his horde, and then we watched his family members read him letters, all intervention style, which, as far as I know, doesn't really work on hoarders because people all the time are like, dude, you got to clean up. But, so since we didn't see the cleanup, I was just like, you guys have really blown this. But so here, Lifetime, I am here to tell you how to fix this. You're fully on the swing of the new season, so you can't do it right now, but... I still think that there is a way to sort of fix this whole live thing and make some money out of it. Do you remember how, I don't know, maybe you still can do this. You used to be able to tune into a live stream of the Big Brother house anytime you wanted to just sort of see what was going on, just yeah. like straight from your laptop. I don't you know, still, still can, still I think. Uh, yeah. I think so. I don't think you have to pay for it anymore. I think it's free. Yeah, yeah. I'm seriously basing this off the first season of American Big Brother back, you know, from whatever that was, like 2001. Um, but so I think especially now that it's so easy to live stream using like Ustream or Livestream, not Periscope or Meerkat since those are 
ephemeral and go away. You can just embed a use stream or a live stream on the lifetime site. You get a couple of interns in there with iPhones during the cleanup. You tweet, you Facebook, you whatever else saying, here's what we're doing for the next three days. We're at this guy's house. <laughs> and anytime you feel like it, you can look on your phone, your tablet, your laptop. I would have it on in the background all <laughs> the time it was on. You can, you know, you interrupt every 15 minutes with an ad. So you have ROI that you can sell to the suits. I mean, it just sounds so good. So dump the stagey intervention bullshit yeah. um, and just have this live stream on, on your site and I think you could actually make a dime off it and, you know, it wouldn't cost that much more to do. So anyway, Lifetime, you're welcome. Please do it. Uh, I have more to say about this, if I may. Oh, go, go. Please, please, please. (laughs) Um, The other problem with this live quote unquote event was that it clearly was like the, the whole point of an intervention, as Sarah knows from covering intervention, is that you spring it on the person. But obviously, this was a situation where the guy completely knew it was coming. And the first one of the first things he says after like the endless teases before they even get to him is like, yes, I need help. Please help me. So it's like, okay, let's start helping him then. Like, why are we making him go back through all this stuff and like, you know, continue to debase him? Like, he clearly knows he has a problem. Let's just get to it. But that's the other reason that actually and I... As much as I love hoarders, I, I realize the the um, heresy of what I'm about to say. But in some ways, hoarding buried alive is better because um, the cleanup happens on a longer timeline. So yeah. it seems less gimmicky and more like actually helpful to the people in a way that's going to be meaningful for them for the long term. Oh, yeah. yeah. My, my husband and I were actually talking about this last night because, you know, we've been married long enough. This is what we talk about now. And I mean, <laughs> he was saying the same thing that you feel it that they only follow one person on hoarding buried alive you feel more of a presence of the therapist and of the other stakeholders and they always have that thing where the friend walks through with the i don't know what do you want to call it subject victim whatever the hoarder the friend walks through with the hoarder first and the hoarder sees what has happened through the friend's eyes and i think that that's also really important right because i think that that's what really gives them a sense of perspective but i mean that aside, I'm just talking about my entertainment. Right. Totally. <laughs> then we agree <laughs> about I that, wa- too. I want to watch. I need to watch things being shoveled away because I need to be reminded because we all have a little bit of hoarder in us. Uh-huh. You know, we all do. We all have like that stuff where we can't get rid of it or we're hanging on to it or something. We don't all have, you know, bags of poop. We all have a little bit of something. And mm, I do think that the show, even though it is voyeurism, yeah. right, it still like, serves this purpose. It makes you think like why do I have that power book from 2000 still? I can't get rid of it. It's just sitting there. It's black. It doesn't work. What kind of works? It doesn't work. I can't get rid of it. But this is a true thing. It's sitting on my dresser right now. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Uh, next year on iZombie, she should eat a hoarder's brain. And <gasps> that could be a thing. Yeah. That is such a good idea. That is such a good idea. Oh my God, I love it. <laughs> Sarah. Um, speaking of my entertainment, uh, the first scripted offering from Investigation Discovery Channel, uh, serial thriller, colon, Angel of Decay. Um, <laughs> I think I played that video game. <laughs> yeah. Not Angel of Tim Decay, unfortunately. Fucking love that guy. Um, it's, it's very bad. Uh, first of all, they, well, actually, Dave, can you play the, uh, spoiler music, please? <laughs> 
Spoiler to hope, fun ahoy. <laughs> um, yeah, so they are at some pains in the press materials and in the show to keep you from knowing until like the second, at uh, the end of the second of three segments, who the you know notorious serial killer is. But you, if you are not a Mennonite who was literally born yesterday, you will know immediately from the Volkswagen Bug the fact that they used an actual composite sketch of the guy that was used in the investigation, and the fact that they used all the victims' names, that it's Ted Bundy. Like, uh, it's so obviously Ted Bundy from the jump. Mm-hmm. But then they cast a guy who looks like Dave Grohl. I mean, I whatever. I did a bunch of snaps <laughs> on the site. You did. And Please his hair is so weird. that Like, why? Why that guy? Because Ted Bundy's whole thing is that he looked like a newscastery, like fratty boobalatty well, pop collar bro straight out of central casting. You know who doesn't have a shortage of that guy? Sag. Yeah. Come on. No, there's a reason that Mark Harmon played him in the TV movie. Like he was a good looking guy. Yeah. yeah, he was. And I literally like took the screener out, threw it in the garbage, went upstairs, got my copy of The Deliberate Stranger that's speaking of Omar. <laughs> blessed. <laughs> he bought this for me for my birthday a couple of years ago. And I threw it in and I was like, is this going to be as creepy? And first of all, it is. And I'll get into that later. But if you're thinking of watching um, this, I mean, I'm glad that Investigation Discovery is trying to do this. But it's like a three hour basically reenactment segment from one of their other shitty shows (laughs) it it just needs to get better and look i'm a true crime nerd i grade on a steep curve with this channel which i (laughs) like watch all the time and it's one of the things my husband and i bonded over on our first date is that we would fall asleep in front of like wives with knives or whatever the fuck like i'm I'm not better than anyone except this show is that a real show Oh, yeah. Awesome. One of these days I'm going to do a list of shows that's like, pick the fake Investigation yeah. Discovery show, but they'll all be real. And- that should be, no, you should save that, <laughs> should save that do, a, do a game time. With it. <gasps> okay. Yes! Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Done and done. All right. Yeah. All right. De-spoiler music, please. Now the spoilers are at end. Angel of Decay. Something, something, yay. <laughs> wow <All right. laughs> is that it you done yes oh, okay <laughs> all right i have a, a local ad uh mega bundle for you uh first from dc uh from the 80s is this uh self-defense ad when you take jewelry self-defense then you too can say Nobody bothers me. Nobody bothers me. Call USA 1000. June means right for right. Nobody buys me. I love it. Nobody buys me either. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't realize there was more. <laughs> yeah, it's great. And the video is all like karate guys next to like that, you know, just black background, you know, like, you know, for ballet demonstrations, videos and all that kind of stuff. Perfect, perfect ad. I'll put it up the YouTube in show notes. Number two from Boston. Hurt. I cannot rip out the hearts of those who hurt you. I cannot hand you their severed heads. But I can hunt them down and settle the score. I'll squeeze them for every dime I can. Every single dime. 
I'm Jim the Hammer Shapiro. But I cannot proceed until you call. 1-800-546-7777. You call, I hammer. Liar the Leprechaun. Take it down, <laughs> take it down a level, Hammer. Uh, somebody's <laughs> clicking a pen or something in the background. I think it. No, that was that me was snapping at a bad oh, dog. Sorry. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, all right, and our final one: an earworm from uh, our friends down under. Many in carpet cleaning, a tough job every time. Had many in carpet cleaning, two, three, double, six, eight, nine. If someone's left a tap on and the carpet's wet and soggy, or you find a smelly wet spot from your next door neighbor's doggy, call Tasmanian Carpet Cleaning, two, three, double, six, eight, nine. If you want the job done properly, just call us anytime. Tasmanian Carpet Cleaning, a tough job every time. Tasmanian Carpet Cleaning, two, three, double, six, eight, nine. I hate it when I find a wit spot on the carpet. Dear uh, Mr. President, there are too many states nowadays. Please eliminate three. I am not a crackpot. I am not a crackpot, but the best I am not a crackpots come from you, the listeners. And we got one episode coming up in early July that we need filled because people are going to be other places. So we're thinking it's time for another User submitted not a crackpot episode. We've done these in the distant past. They were great. Mm-hmm. So if you have a crackpot theory about television, either it be in general a TV trope about a certain show, about the way people watch TV, what are some ones we've done in the past? Well, the one I think that got the biggest response when we did our last all crackpot episode was, "I am not a crackpot. I just think prop cups should have liquid in them because when they're empty, it's yep. extremely obvious." And that was one we all Gilmore really Girls. responded to. Every show, not just Gilmore Girls, all shows, oh, reads yeah, everything still. that every as long as the cup is not transparent you know it's empty totally and here's the thing about that is that you know they do that because if the spill on the you know it just ruins wardrobe and then there's uh-huh. delays and all that kind of stuff yeah but why hasn't somebody created a like a uh, sealed bottom cup so at least it has the heft of a cup so you can all, tell all it would take is like a, you know those bean bags that you used to throw around in gym class when you were really little like yeah. all it would yeah. take is a bean bag and a cup to give it the same weight Anyway, yeah. we're really getting off on a tangent. No, we're not. Don't this, submit this one. It's a great one. It is not a tangent. That's exactly the kind of high-level thinking <laughs> that Not a Crackpot is made for. We've also observed in the past that uh, characters on TV never have, like, real nail polish on. Yep. Mm-hmm. Our esteemed colleague, uh, Stephanie Cangro, wrote about that yep, for us. Yep, she did. Um, just about anything from, like, props the way people talk on the telephone, on TV, things you sh- think should be recast. Yeah. You're tempted to start your, you know, stem winder with I am not a crackpot. Mm-hmm. We want to hear from you. Definitely we do. So what you need to do is record your audio and send it to ehg at previously.tv. If you would be so kind as to leave 10 seconds of silence at the start and end of your clip so that I can scrub out any air conditioners or like white noise in the background, that would be fantastic. So get your noodles a thinking about your I am not a crackpots. Send them to us. And in early July, if everything goes well, we will have an all not a crackpot episode. Uh, last week, somebody tweeted to me the uh, a poster that's 
um, Jaime Camille, the star of Jane the Virgin, his uh, For Your Consideration Emmy poster, which depicts him as Rogelio, completely nude with a cheetah over his bits. And I was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, awesome. And then it took a... And it wasn't until the end of that day that I actually looked closely at the poster and realized it uses pull quotes from previously TV, which I wrote um, quotes me from t- two different stories that I wrote uh, that I describe him as the greatest. His joke lines land like no pun intended, a motherfucker and describing him as the show's funniest character, all of which I 100 percent stand by. So that's my first inclusion in an Emmy campaign. I feel awesome. You should. Dearest Daryline, my very favorite wasby and continual giver and receiver of infinite love and smooches, I am temporarily the boss of these internet radio people to make sure that you know that these last eight years have been the uncompromisingly best years of my whole life and I couldn't be the person I am today without your support and devotion. A Debsma Busby. Aww. Oh. We've got some extra time, so um, what are we going to dedicate this to? Goats? (laughs) Goats? <laughs> goats? Yeah. All right, goats, this one's for you. <laughs> All right, everybody, it is time for the canon. Eve, what do you got for us? All right, you guys, today I'm coming to you with Brooklyn Nine-Nine, uh, Season 1, Episode 11, entitled Christmas. So my biggest challenge on approaching this canon submission wasn't the usual, like, oh, is this going to be good enough? I, I know from the get-go that I was going to bring you an episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. The last time I was on this show, I um, I think we were early on or you know, not that far through their second season, and the series still felt kind of too new to be canon viable, at least to me. But after season two ended um, earlier this spring... I started to do a rewatch because it's a very calming show after a stressful day of actually covering real crime. Um, (laughs) When you when you view it in bulk, you get even more certain that um, I think that this is a show that you're going to remember and look back on and watch again in the for the ages. I really do believe this. I think it's a really impressive mixture of sharp and funny writing, um, really exciting moments of action and in really excellent acting. it, you know, just as like as a side note, even though that's not the episode we're talking about, if you didn't get a lump in your throat during Holt's final speech in the season two finale, see a doctor now, you are dead. <laughs> um, so all this to say that my task was to choose between the embarrassment of riches that I believe Brooklyn Nine-Nine offers. I cast aside my impulse, my very strong impulse to pander to you guys, and I decided to go with my heart. What episode of the show do I regularly think about and watch a little bit of when I'm just sort of feeling unsettled or jangled or need to sort of calm down? That's how, even though we're in the dog days, ha, the dog days of June, <laughs> I settled on this episode, which is entitled Christmas. So just turn up the air conditioning, pour yourself some nog so we can get started. So we open with detectives Jake Peralta, that's Andy Samberg, and Charles Boy, that's Joe Latrulio, breaking up a scuffle between two panhandling Santas. Now, this uh, confrontation, it ends with a physical confrontation between the Santas and the cops, where we see one of the elements of the show that I really enjoy. Even though Peralta and Boyle and many others on this show are goofballs, they're also more than competent cops with actual deductive and, in this case, physical prowess. So, in other words, Boyle kicks Santa in the balls in front of a bunch of kids. 
<laughs> Back at the station house, Peralta has been called to his station captain's office because the captain has received a number of death threats, and Peralta has been tasked with his protection, as we hear in this first clip. What would this job entail? You'll be assigned to Captain Holt. Uh-huh. You'll be entirely in control of his movements. Amazing. He will not leave your sight. You have the authority to make decisions that you feel are in the best interest of his safety. Oh, my God. Basically, you'll be completely in charge. Oh, well, it sounds really tough, but of course I accept, and I will be willing to put my life at risk for this man to have to follow all of my orders. Thank you. This is the best Christmas ever. God bless us, everyone. So... What we're getting ready to spend some time with is an episode with a lot of Andre Brower. AMC Network's Sundance Now is a premium streaming video service offering a rich selection of prestige dramas, heart-stopping thrillers, and gripping true crime series from around the world. Sundance Now believes that life is more enriching when experienced through perspectives that differ from our own. Why is Sundance Now so awesome? Sundance Now's catalog includes award-winning original content, international exclusives, and hard-to-find properties at a fair price. You get premium content and no commercials for as low as $4.99 a month with an annual membership. And you can enjoy it anywhere. Sundance Now works on all your favorite devices. Download the app or watch online on Apple and Android devices, Amazon Fire TV, Google Chromecast, Roku, and more. My favorite aspect of Sundance Now is their documentary library. Pop culture investigations like The Cult of J.T. Leroy, The Pussy Riot Doc, and that must-see for Project Runway fans, Bill Cunningham, New York. But the catalog is impressively deep on the true crime front, too. There are lots of films I've covered for my true crime newsletter, but just as many I haven't had a chance to watch yet, and I had to force myself not to start Valentine Road instead of recording this ad, so... Let's get to that promo code so that I can get back to the film, and you can join me free for 30 days. Start streaming your next obsession. To try Sundance Now free for 30 days, go to SundanceNow.com and use promo code EHG. That's S-U-N-D-A-N-C-E-N-O-W.com and use promo code EHG for 30 days of free streaming. Thanks, Sundance Now! As Captain Holt, who you likely know from his amazing performances, Frank Pembleton in Homicide, Life on the Street, as well as for his solid performances in a jillion other super shitty shows you'll find on his IMDb page. Last Resort. I... Last Resort. <laughs> oh, I mean, Gideon's is... Crossing. Gideon's I mean, oh, Crossing. That one where he's like, where David Morse is a cab driver. I mean, we could go on and on and on, as well as, if this were a movie podcast, The Mist. God. Anyway, I can't overstate my affection for Andre Brower, and I'm willing to admit that one of the reasons I so like Brooklyn Nine-Nine as a whole is because it's such a joy to see him in a show that deserves him after, oh my god, more than 15 years of projects that for the most part do not deserve him. And when I say 15 years, I mean because there was that homicide movie in 2000, otherwise it's even longer. But um, So anyway, back to the show. Meanwhile... Boyle, that's Joe Latrulio, tells the station civilian admin, Gina Linetti, who's played by Chelsea Peretti, God, that was hard to say, about his holiday plans in our second clip. Why are you going on a singles cruise? I thought you were into Rosa. Well, I am, but I've begun to feel like there's a slight chance Rosa may not love me back. Hey, how about we grab some dinner tonight? Just you and me. That's nice. And I like you as a person, but I'm just not interested in you. Romantically. Coolio! Hey, what say you we grab a drink? You're starting to make this weird. I'm not into you that way, and I have a boyfriend. Gotcha. Rain check. A rose for Rosa. Listen to me. 
the healthy thing for you to do is move on. So we both decided the healthy thing for me to do is to just move on. This exchange resolves what had been my single complaint with the show, the relationship between Detective Rosa Diaz, who's played by Stephanie Beatriz, and Boyle. He has a crush on her. She's not interested. He persists. Not to go all, yes, all men on you, but this, that this continued to be a thing, her saying no, she's not into it, and he's ignoring that, made me like the show just a little bit less. So that they put paid to the single fly in my 99 ointment here is another reason that this episode is my canon pick. Jeffords... Um, is played by Terry Crews, who you guys know as the huge guy from The Expendables and Everybody Loves Chris. Um, He, too, is at an important turning point on this episode. As long as we've known him on the show, Sergeant Jeffords had been on desk duty following an armed confrontation where he freaked out and shot a bunch of mannequins. His career, as well as the direction of his character, rests on his psych evaluation, which he is currently tanking, as we hear in this clip. Good. But for today, let's fixate on those fears. Okay, uh, that sounds fun. Let's begin by talking about your baby girls and your wife and uh, what would happen to them if you died in the line of duty. <laughs> I popped your pillow. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's going poorly. Meanwhile, back with Holt and Peralta, Holt claims he's headed home from the station house to work in peace. Peralta convinces Holt to let him take him instead to Peralta's mom's house. But Peralta's snowed Holt and taking him instead to a safe house, as we hear in this next clip. This isn't your mom's apartment. It's a safe house, son! You've been protected. Don't say son. (laughs) Get out of my way. Look, you wouldn't stay at your desk and you evaded your protection detail. I'm sorry, but I've got to order you to stay. I love giving you orders. The only way you're going to keep me here is if you physically stop me. Can you do that, Peralta? Mm. I didn't think so. Jordan. Ah! Oh, no. We're handcuffed together and we've lost the key. Falconer 1 to HQ. Stone Eagle is in the cage. I repeat, Stone Eagle is in the cage. Yes, it's the classic we're handcuffed together gag. I know it's tiresome, but in this case, I feel that it really works. And you'll understand why in a second. So in this next clip, what we get is a montage of things that they're doing while they're cuffed. My safe house, my rules. This is a no-tie zone. A hungry safe house is an unsafe safe house. A fun safe house is a safe safe house. My sir. I thought you said you've never played this. It's very intuitive. Let's have another sandwich. A safe house watching safe house is a safe, safe house house. (laughs) I've already seen the film. I enjoyed it. Wow, I would not have guessed that. You see, those are the kind of things that you learn when you're handcuffed together. And that is the true meaning of Christmas. That knock is Boyle. Holt called him to the safe house to uncuff him and to take him to his old precinct. Now, Holt believes that the threat to his life is legitimate and requires his investigation. But as opposed to freeing Holt, Boyle instead handcuffs himself to them both. Now they're stuck in the safe <laughs> house, all three of them tangled together, investigating the threat. The content of the threats, as read to him by Boyle, sparks a memory for Holt, which we'll now hear. I don't need to help. I don't want to involve you or Boyle or anyone. Because I brought this situation on myself. No one should get hurt because of a dumb mistake I made as a brash young detective. Hey, Haynes, you're going to spend the rest of your life in a little cement room doing nothing. And while you're in there, 
I'm going to go for a swim. And after that swim, I might take another swim. And you'll just be sitting there on your metal toilet thinking of me. Swim, swim, swimming all day long. When I get out of lockup, I'm going to hunt you down and kill you. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> so you couldn't see it um, since this is just a podcast, but in that, which was p- partially a flashback, we were looking at an early 80s Holt in a double-breasted suit, a wig, and a mustache. It's pretty glorious. So what Holt was remembering is that he'd caught this swimmer slash killer, and obviously, as you heard, just taunted the hell out of him, which is the reason that now um, the guy is threatening to get back at him. Um, after uh, Holt has this memory, uh, Peralta convinces him that he actually is part of a team. He's not the youthful, brash detective that was taunting this guy in the first place, and he should involve everyone in the precinct. Once everyone gets involved, they realize that Hames, the threatener, is at the standard TV rail yard, and um, they all end up there for a scene of what I feel was actual action-y tension. Do I honestly believe that there's a chance that it'll end with Peralta getting his head blown off? No, I do not. But there's still a respectable level of suspense going on here, especially for a sitcom. Listen to this clip, and I think you might hear a little bit of what I mean. Hey, when this is all over, we should take a train trip together, just for fun. Go, 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 go! Ray Holt! Hello, Ames. Thought about you every day I was in jail, just like you said. I thought about pointing a gun at you and pulling the trigger. Kind of like... No! Jerry's back! Jerry's back! (laughs) So, as I think that you heard, Jeffords just appeared out of nowhere to tackle the bad guy and to save the day. You also probably heard some earlier gunfire. What was that? Well, Boyle got shot when he threw himself in front of Diaz as Haim fight had fired her, at her. Don't worry, everyone. It was just in the ass. He's, he's going to be fine. Another question, of course, is how the hell did Terry end up at the rail yard, given his disastrous psyche valve? Apparently, Gina burst in to tell him what was going on, and he overcame his fears, snapped into action. So that's great. Terry's sort of gotten over things. But Terry's not the only one who's undergone a transformation. Here's a clip of Holt processing the day from Boyle's bedside. Boyle got shot because of me. This is exactly the kind of thing I was hoping to avoid. Captain, this is our job. Any one of us would have taken that bullet. I'm sorry I've been so difficult. You were right. We couldn't have caught him without the team. Well, well, well. It appears the student has become the teacher. And the teacher hath become... That's enough. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Team Pop and Lock, here we go. Come on, still? We saved your life. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's happening. Yes, we did it! Excuse me. This is a hospital. Right. Sorry. People are dying. You can't see it, but Holt just, just joined Peralta in an impeccable pop and lock wave. Well, you can not- see it because I gifted at the time. So I will put that on the page. Oh, thank you, Tara. That's great. Um, <laughs> but if, you know, if his willingness to go from his anger at the beginning to the pop and lock move at the end isn't character development, I, I don't know what is. So in conclusion, I feel not only does Christmas contain some of the best elements of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, that mix, mix of action and silliness, of real earnest heart, and of Holt being awesome. But it's an important episode in 
the series in that it changes the game for so many characters and their relationships. Look, I know you guys like the show already because you're human beings with brains. I am certain that at some point there will be one or more Brooklyn Nine-Nine episodes in the canon. The question is, do you guys think that Christmas exemplifies the best of Brooklyn Nine-Nine? I honestly am eager to hear what you think. Thank you. Sarah, why don't you start us off? Um, thank you very much for having me revisit this episode. I really didn't remember that much about it. Um, I thought maybe it was a um, boiled food episode and was a little disappointed that it wasn't, but <laughs> it is it is boilicious. Um, this is an interesting this is an interesting case because I do watch the show. I do love the show. Uh, but now we're into like, is this I mean, it's a uniformly excellent show. And now we're into the question of like, is this the is this the best, as you asked, that the show has to offer? Um, I feel like it's right around this point that I sort of stopped resisting Sandberg and that also the writers of the show stopped making it like Sandberg and friends at Brooklyn Nine-Nine and started yeah. really working with what the show actually was. Like he seemed much more like he fit more, even though it's like a um, Peralta-centric episode, he seemed to fit better. I agree that... Um, I agree that it was wise of them to like just settle the Rose Boyle thing finally because it was like it was just too sick on me mm-hmm. and stocky. Um, but this episode is a little sitcommy to me, um, given that I usually watch like a sitcom at a time because I tend to hate them because they telegraph things. This felt a little. It's just a little sitcom-y to me. I feel like they hadn't quite figured out how to be a little more subtle about Holt, like, as a figure of fun, like, that he's just deadpan all the time. Like, the, I mean, the, um, that his pet name for his husband is Kevin. It's <laughs> like, okay, but, like, that's good. Yeah. But it's a little, I mean, as television generally, it's an A, but is this the best that the show can do? I'm not sure. I am uh, actually not sure still how I'm going to vote on this one. Oh, Dave, exciting. what are your thoughts? Okay, um, so first of all, when you're talking about the actual tension in the train yard, I was noticing that the music in the background was sort of a uh, clone of the equalizer theme. <laughs> they had those drum things going in the background. So that was a, and whoever was handling the music, that was a nice little uh, cue there. I enjoyed that. Um, I, I sort of agree with, with Sarah in that I, I feel like this show and I, I love it a lot. It's one of my favorite like on air sitcoms right now. I feel like Brooklyn nine, nine scratches my news radio itch. Yeah. Um, it's very similar. Oh, that's a great way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a workplace comedy. Um, the cast is great. They have great chemistry. You even have like some direct, like you know, character comparisons. Uh, Lisa and uh, what's Amy, Amy um, are basically the same overachieving mm-hmm. character. Um, and so, uh, for that for that reason, I love the show a lot. It is very consistent. But my thing with the show is, I don't think it's had like that one episode yet. Like that one episode that's going to live above all others throughout time. I think like every most of the episodes of this show are like a good B plus a minus sort of level. Um, And I haven't really had that one where I'm like, all right, if you're going to watch one, this is the one you have to watch first to see if you're going to like it or not. Like this is the best one. 
maybe that one's still coming. You know, uh, there has been this trajectory of the show, as you said, where they're sort of like uh, bringing Andy Samberg into more of a <clears throat> ensemble show rather than making it all about him all the time. Wise move. Um, mm. And I think like the best is probably yet to come for this show. And uh, this episode, you know, is just one of many I would put on the same level. Um, one thing about this episode that gives me pause though, and it was one of the problems I had with parks and recreation is they had such a great character in Ron Swanson and that early on when they made an exception to his stony facade, it was very funny. And then as time went on, it was like, this is a device for lazy writers to break a moment, to put a button on a scene that Ron Swanson will have a human moment every episode now. Like, and then it's like, well, who's this character after all? Um, <laughs> some people might say that's character development. I think it was just sort of like, it was an easy thing to do that got laughs. And I think Holt stands the danger of being that uh, character for Brooklyn nine, nine. If they go to that well too many times where it's like, well, here, here he is. He's a no nonsense captain. And here's his very human moment, you know, in this sort of after school special kind of way. I hope they don't do that. I hope they can see that. But given that the lineage of the show shares a lot with Parks and Rec, right? Yep. Um, I wouldn't uh, be surprised if that happened. Um, I just wanted to mention, as as I said, I was at the ATX Festival and I saw um, the Brooklyn Nine-Nine panel and Dan Grohr, who created the show, was talking about um, the guys who play Scully and Hitchcock, um, Joel <laughs> McKinnon-Miller, and I forget the other guy's name, sorry, um, Dirk Blocker. Um, and they were, he was talking about how the two of them um, are the hardest working people on the show and how they often come to the set with like ideas of business that they're going to be doing behind the scenes. <laughs> and he said in almost any shot of the show, if you're in the bullpen, you can see them doing a thing like, and it's usually something that they came up with on their own and then brought to the set. And then they were like, yes, totally. And this episode they're making popcorn garlands. which I thought was <laughs> yeah, so great. That was in my notes. And also that there was that hold on that that was like a Christmas gift to them that hold on one of them pouring the coffee into the go thermos. Yes, <laughs> for like, so that's, long. That's cute. <laughs> yeah. Um so I liked the uh the Scully and Hitchcock stuff when Hitchcock tries to get Rosa to laugh <laughs> tickling her, which is such senior a him tickles. thing to do. <laughs> yes, you broke senior tickles and then later it's taped. Um I liked this episode a lot better than it sounds like the two of you did. I thought Amy's storyline trying to make the perfect Christmas card because that's like her loophole of how she can mark Christmas without breaking the rule is very Amy slash me. And um, and uh, I thought Gina was well used. Sometimes she's a little bit too much, even for me. And I like her, I think, more than most people do. But that was a good amount of her. And um, any episode where it's, it's Peralta and um, Holt together... I think is strong. And I thought the, it was, it was bold to, as Eve said, do the, it's a sitcom handcuff gag, like to, to just steer into that and be like, this is our take on it. It's the dumb, it's one of the dumbest things you can do on a sitcom and every show has done it, but here's how we're going to make it feel fresh and not like a total dumb trope. And um, then when they're trying to drive and they're all three yes. like daisy chained together. I mean, look. And then I, Boyle is sniffing I, him like, oh, that's what it is. He says he smells like sandalwood. Yeah. No, I, I love the episode. I'm just, I think Dave and I are struggling with like where it falls in the. My, yeah, my, I totally my, hear what you're saying. My issue is, do I want to vote? I mean, I could, I could probably vote no. But my, my grander issue is, do if I voted yes, 
I still think there's like it's early on enough in the life of this sitcom that there's going to be a lot more coming right and a lot more possibilities. Your question is, is this Brooklyn Nine-Nine's daddy's boy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's a good way to put it. Yeah. And I think that moment's to come. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Sorry. Are you going to anything else? No, nope, I'm done. All right. So let's let Sarah vote last because she needs time to think about it. Uh, Tara, I'm sensing a yes vote, but let's make it official. Yes, I will vote yes. All right. Um, I'm going to say no for the reasons the, that I said. I think um still waiting for that A-plus episode that rises above everything else. All right, Sarah. So that means it um, comes to you. Oh, boy. A, cu- a couple of things. First, yeah. pro tip for future Brooklyn Nine-Nine submitters. <laughs> If you submit the episode in which Boyle uses the term fold hold, or actually I think it's Holt who uses the term fold hold, it will be in just because of that. They got my letters. <laughs> what was what I said about not pandering right there. Wait. <laughs> pandering works. I need context for that. I forgot what that was. What, what is Sarah? that? They're talking about pizza slices. Oh, yeah. And like that um, Boyle is trying to explain something in his, whatever, pizza rankings. And his Holt pizza blog. Like, but that's hold. ridiculous because... Uh, you yes. know, such yeah. as though it's a better fold hold. And I was like, fold hold. Yeah. Someone else says that. It just came <laughs> out of Andre Brower's mouth. Uh-huh. Um, I have no doubt that a Brooklyn Nine-Nine will get into the canon at some point. I can think of a couple of episodes just off the top of my head that I enjoyed more than this one. It's a great show. It'll get in the canon. Today, it's a no for me. Sorry. <laughs> God, I just got Rocco Modern Life, didn't I? <laughs> no, 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 no! You wouldn't Definitely be able to sit not. down if that happened. <laughs> oh, that poor guy. Brooklyn, <laughs> he's fine. Yeah, he's fine. It's all Jeff. R.I.P. Patrick Felton. <laughs> we had him murdered. <laughs> Stakes are high on the cannon, guys. Brooklyn Nine Nine, <laughs> season one, uh, episode eleven. Say goodbye to mommy, Sherman. <laughs> I'm sorry to tell you. Called Christmas. <laughs> I'm sorry to tell you, you are not inducted into the extra hot great can. Americans love a winner. It's all falling apart. Uh, all right, it's time for a winner and a loser of the week. I have the winner. The winner this week is love and pride. <laughs> Uh, speaking of canon inductees, the X Files episode "Home" looks like it might be getting a sequel Woo! in the in the uh, extended extendo half season coming at you in January. Incest right? mutants. Yeah, so not super official, but somebody got a hold of the title for a one episode. It is called "Home Again." Yes, and that is kind of a pretty good indicator that we're getting a sequel to the episode called "Home" with the Peacock family. And, uh, you know, and their uh, ongoing uh, uh, activities. <laughs> um, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, it's it, it could go. It could be great. It could be interesting. It could just be like, well, you didn't have to go to that well again. But, uh, you know, as we. Well. Yeah, as <laughs> it's a good well. well. It's a well. Anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, winner of the week, uh, fans of incest. Who has the <laughs> loser of the week? Uh, I have our losers, speaking of creepy families, the Duggars. I trust I don't need to elaborate, which is good, because I can't without vomiting. Okay! So it's game time, then? Jesus. It's game time. 
This is the eighth game time of the season. Correct me if I'm wrong, but Tar and Sarah tied at three. Value guess with one, correct? Believe that is right. All right. Today we are playing Bring Out Your Dead from friend of the show, Alan Seppenwall. Hey! Oh! This game. I like games. Tests your knowledge of memorable and or weird character deaths on television. Excellent. You'll be given a description of how a character died, and if you can name both the character and the show, you get two points. If you can only guess one, you get one point. You can ask for a clue, and I'll give you whatever you want. You want the character name, I'll give you that. You want the show name, I'll give you that. You guess the other, you get a point. Got okay? it. Okay? But you don't mm-hmm. get a hint after you've already guessed. Got it. Okay? Got it. Uh, so, for, exa- for example, I'm going to say that I was stabbed to death during my wedding reception alongside my mother and pregnant wife. You would say... Uh, Game of Snow Guy? <laughs> Game of Thrones? <laughs> Game of Thrones would be good for one point. The other point would be Rob Stark. That's it. Yeah. Better looking Jon Snow as I think of him. Yeah. I always <laughs> was confused by that because I kind of thought they were the same character for a while. Yeah, because one is a better looking version of the other one. Yeah. So uh, no show appears more than once in the quiz, but maybe there'll be a Game of Thrones question during this. Oh. Okay. Because that uh, we're not counting the example there. Okay. We have... 36 questions for you today, so let's throw it to Picky to see who is going first. We will start with Valued Guest. All right, so Valued Guest, that's Eve, will go first. Then we'll throw it to Sarah, and then finally to Tara. Are we ready to play Bring Out Your Dead? Yes, sir. Yes. All right, question one, Eve. I drowned after a grenade went off in an underwater sea base but not before I wrote an important message on my hand. The character in the show. Uh, hint, please. All right, what do you want? Character or the show? Um. I'm going to guess you want the character. Character. Charlie Pace. Charlie Pace. Charlie? Yeah. Yes. Uh, No, no freaking idea. Sorry. Charlie Pace from Lost. And he writes that stupid thing about the boat on Not his hand. Not Penny's boat. Not Penny's boat. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know what that was. Uh, Sarah. Yes. After finding out that I had turned rat, my three best friends took me out on a boat and shot me. That would be a big pussy Bompensiero on The Sopranos. Well, nice. Additional information from, uh, he just had big pussy, but you're like, no, we're going to go full name. <laughs> yeah. Not you know to be confused get- with Little Pussy Malanga. Uh, uh, you, know uh, that, uh, you know what that gets you? Uh, uh, that gets you two day points. Oh, shit. I am I writing them down track. on my face. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tara. Yes. My head was chopped off on the order of a sadistic boy king. Uh, Ned Stark, Game of Thrones. That's two points for you. All right, back to Eve. My source and former lover pushed me in front of a subway train to keep me from exposing our relationship. Um, I know that the show is House of Cards, but I don't know the character name. Zoe. That's right. Zoe, Zoe Barnes. Barnes. Okay. Couldn't remember it either. All right. Back to Sarah. <clears throat> I was shot from behind while buying cigarettes at the corner grocer. God damn it. <laughs> well, that's a hint. Yeah. <laughs> I was shot I... from behind while buying cigarettes at the corner grocer. Uh, hmm. Gosh. 
Uh, I need a hint, actually. Can I have the character name, please? Omar Little. Oh. <laughs> I forgot he was buying stoves. Sorry, The Wire. Correct for one point. Oh, Tara, yeah. your second I'll question. Kill you. Yes. I was shot from behind while playing cards at the corner saloon. Um, is it Bill on Deadwood? Yeah, we'll give you that. I can't remember yeah. if it was Buffalo Bill or Wild Bill. Yeah, so Wild Bill okay. Hickok. All right. Um, Alan has empowered me to accept partial names, so I will give you that point. Okay. So back to Eve. I stepped into an elevator shaft that had no <laughs> elevator inside. There's the one I was waiting for. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Is this, so can I just say Joey Tribbiani, friends? Uh, That's no. no. Uh, the, he did Wait. not die. Um, no, no Doctor Drake Ramore. Drake Ramore did right. Oh wait, so the but okay, that's fine. <laughs> Tara, do you want to you want to come? Well, it's it's Rosalind Shays from LA Law. Yes, but on the oh. question of which was what they were aping on Friends. Yes. Um. Well, she didn't say Drake Ramore anyway. Yeah, that's right. No, um, I didn't. That's okay. That so I'm wrong all around. Sorry. Dave points for that? No. <laughs> I tried. <laughs> Listen, let's not devalue the Dave Point system by I just never, giving them out. You know who devalues the, the Dave Point system is Dave by retracting um, that. Hello, not what? letting this go. Hey, I'm not the one. You were the one who said you were keeping we're track. We're keeping track. Let's just keep going. <laughs> I was twirling my father's gun like an idiot, dropped it, and got killed by a stray round. <laughs> if you didn't hear that because of Tar's cackle, Sorry. that was... I dropped it and got killed by a stray round. <gasps> and sent my best friend into slow-mo. Jed Scott, <laughs> Beverly Hills, 90210. That's worth two points. Thank God. All right. Hello, Tara. We have some questions. Hi. <laughs> I died of a heart attack, suffered at my daughter's wedding, even though my audience didn't find out I was dead until the end of the next season. Um, Character name. Dan Connor. Roseanne. That's good for one point. One point. Back to Eve. I was run over by a Zamboni machine while working at an ice show. <laughs> like, Tiki really has it in for me today. I, I don't know. I don't know. Nothing? I don't know either thing. I, oh, okay. Give me a hint. Give me a hint. Yeah. Which one do you want? Uh, character. character. Eddie LeBeck. <laughs> that was not useful. I do not know. I'm sorry. Anybody know it? Cheers. 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 Yep. All right, Sarah. While dressed as a peanut during a parade, a rogue elephant decided to shell me. (laughs) Oh, my God. I know this. Yeah. Um, Character name, please. Chuckles the Clown. Of course. Chuckles the Clown. Famous, famous scene. I mean, you know, they didn't show it. No, it it is. Yeah, it doesn't. Off camera, guys. Off camera. Chuckles. Shit. Chuckles. Oh, uh, taxi. Oh, so close. Mary Tyler Damn Moore it. show. Damn it. Damn All right, it. Tara, bring us into our score break. Yes. I suffered a toxic reaction to glue from the cheap envelopes my fiance <laughs> bought for our wedding invitation. Finally. In the news this week, yeah. uh, Susan Ross of Seinfeld. That is worth two points. Last name even. We're one third through our game. I only remember that because there's a Susan Ross on Scandal now. Okay, Eve has one, Sarah has five, I have seven. All right. Here we go. Round two. Back to Eve. 
My bad luck with helicopters continued as one <laughs> fell on me. <laughs> oh. It's ER, and it's that red-haired guy whose name I can't remember. Oh, it's good for the guy one. from Fame! Shit! Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh, yes. Uh-huh. And his name was Dr. Something. I think the fact that she remembered that he was in fame, I would give that to her. Oh, you you can't give it that to me. That's not fair. (laughs) Okay. She got a point. Romano. Dr. Rocket Romano. Okay. To Sarah. On my way home, my plane was shot down over the Sea of Japan. Also very famous On my episode. way home, my plane was shot down over the Sea of Japan. <laughs> yes. Yes. You're talking like this. On my uh, way home. I'm Keith Morrison. Um, oh, I don't actually know this. May I have the character name, please? Henry Blake. Ah, uh, yes. Oh, MASH. One point. Tara. Yes, sir. While bemoaning my sad and lonely fate, I slipped and cracked my head on the edge of my apartment complex pool and drowned. <laughs> Bemoaning my sad and lonely fate. I like that. Oh, yeah, as you do. I'm going to say Melrose Place and I forget who it is. Good for one point. Who was it? Sarah, do you know? Um, Sydney? Brooke Armstrong. Brooke. Oh, sure. Billy. <laughs> Eve, while driving to work. To show my powerful boss the new car I just bought, I was killed by a drunk driver. Um. And this isn't that Grey's Anatomy guy, is it? I guess that's the question. No, no. He did something else, didn't he? I don't know. Give, I don't give me know. the character was name, Was that a please? guess? Oh, okay. No, give, can I have the character name, Mrs. Please? Landingham. Okay, well, then that's that's not the Grey's Anatomy guy. Um, I don't know. I'm sorry. Maybe nobody dies on shows I watch? I don't know. <laughs> okay. Sarah Didn't you got recap yours. the wire first? <laughs> <laughs> All right. That was the West Wing. Yep. Yeah. Number 17. Spread Eagle. Spread Eagle. When my new car wouldn't work as a method of suicide, I hung myself in my office. Oh, fuck. When my new oh, yeah. car wouldn't work. Uh, Lane Price, <laughs> Madman. Two points there. I was going to say, he's a Mets fan. Yeah. I know. Tara. That was not why he was killing himself, though. Yes? Are you sure? No. (laughs) Driving home to see my wife and new baby son, I swerve to avoid hitting another vehicle and get crushed to death as my car rolls down the hill. Oh, this isn't what I thought it was at all. Character name, please. I know what you thought it was, too. I came up with the the Dawson thing, yes. Character name. Ah. Uh, I, I, I... I purposely omitted one word from his clue. Maybe oh, that's what God. screwed you up. <laughs> was it ice cream cone? No, no, I'm saying I purposely did it. I'll tell all right, you after. All right, all right. Character name Matthew Crawley. Oh, well, Mountain Abbey. Yes, his original clue read, driving home to my estate to see my wife ah. and the baby son. I took that out. Yep. All right, number... Well, if the ice cream cone one is in, it's free hand for someone. <laughs> I got crushed by a bus... After pushing a woman out of its way, and my friends couldn't save me even after they figured out who I was. I got crushed by a bus after pushing a woman out of its way, and my friends couldn't save me even after they figured out who I was. Eve. Okay, so this is the Grey's Anatomy guy. I, 
And, um, God, see, I, I'll like, I know they call him Dr. McDreamy. Does that count? I don't know Five if it is Dr. McDreamy. I would give you that. Is George O'Malley Dr. McDreamy? No. Mm. Oh, shit. He saved someone. How many fucking people die on Grey's Anatomy? <laughs> Tons. I yeah, think McDreamy saved someone a from a car. <laughs> I think he pulled someone out of a car. Oh. All right. Sarah? Yep. Yep. Bunting. My daughter was stunned to learn I had suffered a very natural death of a brain aneurysm while napping on the couch. My daughter was stunned to learn I suffered the very natural death of a brain aneurysm while napping on the couch. Sarah, you know this one. Napping on the couch. I'm stupid. Oh, God. I do know this one. You definitely uh, definitely know it. I am going to kick myself for having asked for a hint, but I'm going to ask for a hint. Character name, please. Joyce Summers. Oh, Christ. (laughs) Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Good for one point. Damn it. Yep. All right, Tara. Yeah. Right after one of my friend's cancer went into omission. Remission, probably. Yeah, it says omission. That's not my fault. Sorry. Alan. (laughs) Come on, Alan. Smart enough. Uh, (laughs) Unless that's a pun joke a la Jeopardy. I... Uh, died in a random car accident. After one of my friends' cancer went into remission, I died in a random car accident. Character. You know what? He might have emailed me on that. Say correct that. Uh, Gary Shepard. Gary Shepard. Gary. Oh, 30-something? One point. Wow. Back to Eve. Beaten, gagged, and stuffed into a car trunk by men whose crimes I was investigating, I choked to death on my own vomit. (laughs) Yeah! (laughs) Beaten, gagged, and stuffed into a car trunk by men whose crimes I was investigating, I choked to death on my own vomit. Okay, law and order. And, um... Oh God, I don't remember any character names today. I'm so sorry. It's a it's a lady. I'm I, all I got is Law and Order. And it was <laughs> Alexandra Bor- Borgia. Borgia. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, would you have known that one, Sarah? Um, no. All right. Although the same character, well, it might come up later. Uh, smart, smart play. <laughs> That's one day point for oh, shit. for strategic thinking. Ah! I want to award. <laughs> Smart gameplay. Right in on my forehead. Hold on. Okay. Continue. My gangster mentor refuses to forgive my betrayal of him and shoots me in the face in the pouring rain. My gangster mentor refuses to forgive my betrayal of him and shoots me in the face in the pouring rain. And remember, no show is repeated in the game. Correct? Yeah. Okay. Uh, So it's not Roseanne, uh, is my point. <laughs> um, hint character name, please. Uh, sorry, I'm just having trouble. The, the, all the letters are smushed up together. Jimmy Darmody. Darmody, thank you. Oh yeah, Boardwalk Empire. That is good for a single point. Bring us into our second score break, Tara. Yep. When I accidentally discover that my husband's lover is a mole, she ties me to a chair and shoots me in the stomach. Can you read that again, please? When I accidentally discover my husband's lover is a mole, she ties me to a chair and shoots me in the stomach. Uh, Terry Bauer, 24. That is good for two points. All right. 
We're now two-thirds of the way through our game. Let's get them scores. In some ways, it's a close game. Uh, Eve has four. Sarah has ten. I have twelve. How come when I say something like that, I'm the biggest jerk in the world? Because <laughs> you are the biggest jerk in the world. Confirmed. You did. That was my All answer. right. <laughs> Eve. Faced with the loss of another son and a long prison sentence, I enjoy a drink of my personal moonshine in a poison jar. Oh, finally, finally. <laughs> Mags. It's, so it's justified, and it's Mags Bennett. Yes, is it good is. for two points. All right, Sarah. Before yes. I can flee to Mexico, my paranoid friend and co-worker brings me a sandwich and a hand grenade to prevent me from getting caught and testifying against him. Oh, sandwich and a grenade. That's, that's nice. But not a grenade sandwich. sandwich. No, and a hand grenade. Uh, uh, character name, please. Curtis Lem Lemansky. Curtis Lem Lemansky? I don't know. Can I guess? Yes. Is it the shield? Because it, it, it's always the shield. It's always the shield. Oh, <laughs> the shield. I guess we got to watch that. So we I know. Be... I keep pitching it to Dave. He won't let us. He's not interested in, in doing a shield watch. True. I'm not really either, but I like winning. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, Tar? <laughs> yeah. Trapped in a prison boiler room, a friend gives me an emergency C-section, and that's good enough to keep my baby alive, but not me. Okay, it's The Walking Dead, and her name is Lori? Lori Grimes, correct. <clears throat> All right, back to Eve. Among other ways, I have been crushed by a falling space station, had my heart accidentally re- Replaced by a baked potato, strangled to death by a tetherball rope, shot dead by police, spontaneously combusted from holding a fart in too long, <laughs> shot by police several times, <laughs> run over by a motorcycle, and later an ice cream van, and I died of syphilis. If this is not Kenny from South Park, I am watching the wrong shows. <laughs> of course it is. Two points. I'm surprised at Alan because I think the baked potato was in the movie. Hmm. I wasn't going to quibble, but I thought so too. <laughs> well, you know, it's still part of the character's arc. I suppose that's true. Yes. Um, number 29 for Sarah. My old nemesis blows me up with a bomb strapped to his wheelchair, but at least I get to straighten my tie before I die. <sighs> oh, God, the blinking optic nerve. So gross. <laughs> um, but awesome. Gus Fring on Breaking Bad. That's two points for you. I still not no, still not over it. I died a young age of a heart condition, but at least I have my grams by my side when I go. Oh, Lord. Uh, Jen Lindley, Dawson's Creek. That's good for two points. Back to Oh, Eve. no ice cream cone then, because there's no repeats. <laughs> yeah. Thank God I didn't have to come up with his name, though, because I would have just called him the Flash. The Flash. <laughs> Wait, so what happened? He's. Oh. They talked about this on the panel, actually, that Paul Stupin, who is now a, pre- a producer on Switch to Birth, said there were some character deaths we weren't proud of, and that was one of them. <laughs> oh, what? He's, dr- he's driving and eating an ice cream cone. This is Dawson's dad. Yeah. And he drops the ice cream cone and for some reason is fishing around trying to pick it up. Like, are you going to keep eating it <laughs> uh, like- after it fell on the floor <laughs> in your car? Aww. But then he loses control of the car and gets in wow. a car accident and dies. That's terrible. There were rumors about why that had to be, which I will tell you when we are not recording. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> we don't want to get sued. No, we don't. Okay. No, we do. I'll allow myself to be beaten. I'll... 
<clears throat> for Eve. Yes, for Eve. I allow myself to be beaten to death by prison guards to prevent my friends from suffering the same fate. How noble of this character from this show. Um. Character name, please. Opie Will, uh, Winston. Opie Winston. It, it's I'm a, just going to guess Oz. Oh, you should have guessed Andy Griffith show. That would have been funny. Uh, <laughs> I that is would have done that. Sons <laughs> of Anarchy. Anarchy. Yeah. yeah, Sons of Anarchy. Oh. All right, to Sarah. As a taunt to my husband, a serial killer leaves me dead in our bathtub. Mm. As a taunt to my husband, a serial killer leaves me dead in our bathtub. Oh. Dead in the bathtub. That's not a hint. No. Jeez. Um, <laughs> can I have the character name, please? Mr. Yes. Seeker? You may. Rita Morgan. Oh. Okay, that was long after I stopped watching. Dexter. One point for you. All right, Tara. Yep. While driving to the airport to visit my father in Greece, my psycho ex-boyfriend runs me off the road. Uh, Character name. Marissa Cooper. Oh, the OC. Oh, the OC. One point. All right, everybody's (laughs) last question coming at you. Eve, while attending an auto race, a t-shirt cannon blasts a t-shirt cannon blast knocks me off my seat out of the bleachers and plummeting to the parking lot below. God. Uh, character name? Maud Flanders. <laughs> okay, so it's the, it's the fucking Simpsons. It is the fucking, <laughs> it Simpsons. Is the fucking Simpsons. Yes. All right, Sarah, your last question. <laughs> I'm swept off a balcony by a strong gust of wind. Oh... Think our character name, please. Got flipped here. <clears throat> <laughs> uh, character is Beverly Leslie. I don't know who that is. Beverly <clears throat> Leslie. Tara. Will and Grace. Will and Grace. Yes. Uh-oh. Last question of the game for Tara. Yes. Not only do I die in a car accident, but my show gets renamed twice after I'm gone. <laughs> oh shit. Um, what? How do you not know this? Is it Valerie from Valerie's family? That's good okay. for two points. Wow. It was so obvious. I thought it had to be wrong. All right. Let's get All the final right. scores, please. Uh, Eve has nine. Sarah has 13 plus three Dave points. I have 19. All right. So that means Tara's got well it. But we still got our shits and giggles unused tiebreaker. Today worth three Dave points. What? First person okay. to answer correctly gets the coveted three Dave points. Okay. What will the Dave points be used for in the future? Who can say? <laughs> but it's very important, guys, and I want to make this very clear. Either Woody or Sherman is extremely interested. That you track your oh, Dave they, points. They, they, they know the answer. <laughs> Which six feet under character dies first in the montage at the end of the series finale? Oh. Shout out your guesses. You get second guesses after the other people have guessed theirs. He was already dead by then. Narmuth. Ruth is correct. Three day points for you. We will start with Tara. Nope. I moved some of my buttons Congratulations, Tara. Thank you. I'm also tracking Dave points now, FYI. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. How many do you have? Oh, I don't know. It's on the other pad, but I mean, I will be keeping track. Oh, boy. That's not a good start, Tara. How many I, points do you have, Sarah? 
six. You Dave. got one more for keeping track. <laughs> Tara, I'm Seven, taking off one Dave. point. <laughs> Minus one point for you, Tara. Five. That's it for another <laughs> episode of Extra Hot. Excuse me. Oh, don't don't, don't one, speak against Dave. Minus Dave. one day point. You just that point I gave you. Take it out. We talked about the first season of iZombie, the only show on television with more brains being eaten than Hannibal. We then went around the dial with stops at the Austin TV Festival, Hoarders Live, serial thriller Angel of Decay, and a couple more local ads before Tara chimed in with her Jane the Virgin Tiny Triumph. Eve blew the case for getting (laughs) Brooklyn Nine-Nine's. Christmas into the extra hot great canon. We crowned winners and losers of the week. And Tara was the winner of this week's deadly game time and one point away from the season win. Remember, we're listening. I am David Teagle, and on behalf of Tara Ariano, I'll take your edible pop lollipop. <laughs> lollipop? We never talked about it either. No one's going to know what I mean. Sarah D. Bunting. Six, Dave. Make that seven. Eve Beatty. Shit. Even after I'm dead, I still have to go to the gym. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time right here on Extra Hot Great. Monsters do have their place. In the zoo. In your nightmares. In the deep. In your favorite horror movies. But not in your living room. On your TV. Don't let pay TV be the monster in your living room. Pay TV and cable TV companies are seeking the right to charge you for the very programs you now get free. If you want to stop pay TV and save free television, sign the petition in the lobby of this theater. Let your lawmakers know how you feel in the fight against pay TV and cable TV. Wow. <laughs> I think we lost that battle, guys. <laughs>